Strange things happened on Twitter after Elon Musk's $44 billion Twitter purchase. DHS set up disinformation governance board to deal with what? Beijing's turn now. The CCTV anchors start to hoard food but say different things on air. Behind the hunger in Shanghai, corruption abounds. Supreme Court rejected the request to block race-based admission at uh, Virginia High School. And uh, what is the fallout? Welcome to Wei and Kathy Show. I'm your host, Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. All right, so we have uh, four to five very interesting stories for you to learn about today. Mm-hmm. And um, the first one has to do with, well, basically what happened after the Twitter purchase happened. Right, it's just uh, there's some very strange thing that happened on Twitter. Okay, so maybe I can ask my DJ to post the picture there so that we can take a look all together. So first one is, uh, okay, there's uh, several people, some people, their tweet followers you know, dropped by big number. Some other people, they have, you know, tweet followers, Twitter followers uh, jump up by big number. Mm. And uh, if we take a look, so from my screen, uh, the AOC, as you can take, you know, you can see. And uh, AOC's uh, Twitter followers dropped by 27,000, 28,000 followers. Okay. Out of no reason, okay? And then the, the medal, Rachel medal of the MSNBC, and the dropped by, you know, about 19,000. And uh, Stefan at the home dropped by 21,000. And uh, Congressman Matt uh, Gates, right? Mm-hmm. And he suddenly got a gain of 25,000 followers. And uh, Dinesh um, D'Souza, and he got 42,000, suddenly jumped up. And so on and so forth, okay? And this is very interesting, all right? And the second thing is, uh, if you, do you know Dave Rob, Rubin? Dave Rubin is a, uh, um, he's a, he's a, Radio commentator, conservative commentator. Actually, originally he was on uh, this uh, network called um, The Young Turks. He was a progressive. Mm-hmm. All right? He was there for a number of years. At a certain point, his v- v- viewpoint changed. He became a um, conservative TV host and have his own shows called uh, The Ruben Report. It is really just, just on YouTube and also on the um, Glenn Beck's uh, Blaze TV. All right, so he got a 1.2 million followers on Twitter. Okay, this is the interesting piece. So on Twitter, he was tweeting, you know, just replied to Elon Musk's tweet. He said, um, hey, Elon Musk, as long as you're digging, checking to how New York Times and Forbes and so, et cetera, uh, bought their Twitter followers to fake influence. New York Times, New York Times has 53 million followers. And uh, they rarely get only 50 retweets. Retweets means people like it and then just pass it on, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like sharing. He said, uh, the, uh, Dave Rubin said, I could post a emoji and a, and a picture of the 80s sitcom star and get more. So indeed, I checked that. Okay, I checked his uh, Twitter and I find out how many retweets he got. And I also checked the New York Times. And uh, I also checked uh, Forbes and uh, checked the uh, you know Bloomberg. Yes, indeed, with this uh, Dave uh, Rubin, his uh, retweets is like a, it's almost always in the ha- in the hundreds. Mm. He only have, have one point two million tweeters, uh, Twitter followers. Well, New York Times had fifty three million. Okay, so like fifty times. Okay, how many 
retweets does the New York Times posting have? Let me just read it to you. In the most recent five um, posts, five, 16, 25, 27, and 58. So to be honest, you know, I have a Chinese Twitter account, and uh, my retweets is often higher than that, than the 53 million New York Times followers. How many followers do I have? 61,000. Only <laughs> 61,000, okay. And uh, my retweet is, is more than New York Times. Well, if, then if we look at uh, Forbes, uh, Forbes has 18 million Twitter followers. And uh, let me read it to you, the recent five uh, posts and what are the retweets. The most uh, recent one is 14. The second to the most recent one is zero. Then seven, 26, and 20. Okay, Bloomberg is even worse. Bloomberg has 80 million Twitters, uh, uh, followers. And Bloomberg's uh, five posts, they got uh, one retweet, three, five, nine, and 19. So it's just a very, very small number. It just looks look, you know, pretty miserable, okay? It cannot even match up with uh, my own uh, Twitter account. So basically, and Dave Rubin, apparently he's pointing out that uh, um, Elon Musk, check it out. What's going on there? Is that a fake influence? Is anything under the hood that's fishy? And interesting enough, okay, what is the Elon Musk's reply? He actually replied. You understand, if you, if you play with Twitter, right, you, you don't have a guarantee of somebody, he's going to read your things and uh, even less about replying to you. But Elon Musk replied to Dave Rubin. He said, uh, he said this. He said, uh, this is uh, interesting. Uh, no, he said, yes, I noticed that too. Pretty weird. Okay, so let's see whether Elon Musk will be following through that and unearth all the things that we don't know. As he said already, right? It's just, uh, he said he wants to make transparent the moderation policy, moderation algorithm, and also the suggestion algorithm. You know, he doesn't want to see the shadow ban that happened without people knowing that, and he doesn't want to see certain type of popping up certain account without people knowing, knowing about that either. So he wants this to be as transparent as, as transparent as possible. Well, does does make common sense, right? So we all want wish to look at you know find out a to have a Twitter that is decent, that's honest, and uh, that is how to say accurate. What do you think? So leave your comment there. I want to I want to know that uh, uh, whether you have any experience of your followers has jumped up or dropped, and uh, presumably I think jump up is uh, is more. Um, how to say, bigger chance. But check it out. If you have any information for us to know, let us know, because this is indeed very interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, the second piece of news is uh, Elon Musk tweeted a few things, okay? This morning he tweeted this. Just hear me out. Truth Social, you're talking about Trump's uh, Twitter platform. Truth Social is currently beating Twitter and the TikTok on Apple Store. He actually attached a you know, screen, screen capture there. Mm -hmm. And it's posted there. And uh, so... He went on and tweeted this. He said, Truth Social exists because Twitter censored free speech. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah, but he jabbed on the, uh, Trump a little bit. He said, Twitter Social, he has a parenthesis. He said, terrible name. Uh, truth Social, you mean? Truth Social, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. Truth Social, he said, terrible name. Should be called a Trumpet instead. Oh. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's Elon Musk's joke. I think, um, you know... Um, I'm supposed to give you some joke, so I'm just borrowing his joke, okay? Trumpet. Um, so it's in, well, we we'll, we'll understand, okay, where it come from. Anyway, so that's that. What do you think? Do, do, do you think, 
is a fair assessment, a fair how to say jab, or you think he has bad intention? What do you think? You know, I want to know how you. Yeah, you let's know. have a survey. Yeah, let's have a survey. You like that comment, or you don't like that comment? You think it's a good nature or a bad intention? So that's that's what I want to know. All right. Okay. So with that, as you type up your comment, which we will be taking a look, and which we will be coming back and to read about it. Let's move on on some major move by the DHS. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the Department of Homeland Security is setting up a new board designed to counter so-called misinformation related to homeland security, with a focus specifically on Russia and the irregular migration. The board will be called Disinformation Governance Board. And it will be headed by executive director Nina uh, Jakowicz. Right. And what the statement of the DHS said, uh, our undersecretary for policy, <coughs> and that guy's name is called Rob Silvers, is co-chair, is co-chairing with uh, our principal deputy general counsel, whose name is Jennifer Gaskell, in leading a just recently constituted misinformation disinformation govern governance board. <laughs> Hear me out. Misinformation, disinformation, governance, governance board. So we are bringing dash. The goal is to bring the resources of the department together to address that threat. So the new executive director, Jakowitz, was previously a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center and had advised the Ukrainian foreign ministry as part of the Fulbright Public Policy Fellowship. Her previous job also oversaw Russia and the uh, and, uh, Belarus program at the National Democratic Insti Institute, yeah, NDI, okay, and he, she announced the new board via Twitter, via Twitter also, Twitter on Wednesday, which is today. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, this lady also called the laptop, well, basically, her, her, his past history is very interesting, because once that is announced. People just dig it out, right? Mm -hmm. Dig out things. And she actually uh, previously called the laptop of President Joe Biden's son's hunt, Hunter, okay, a Trump campaign uh, campaign product. And then she was pretty outspoken about um, um, about attacking conservative or being critical about with con con conservatives. She also said, "I shudder to think regarding the Elon Musk's purchase, um, Twitter purchase." Okay, she said this. I shudder to think about if free speech absolute absolutionist ab absolutist were taking over more platforms. What that would look like um, for the marginalized communities, which are already shouldering disproportionate amounts of this abuse. Yeah. Do you understand that? Well, what so mm -hmm. so would people kind of correlate this new board with uh, the move that uh, Elon Musk acquires the yeah people you cannot you cannot just you know stop guessing because this happened two days after the purchase mm -hmm. so you you just wonder so are they related so what's uh, Elon Musk's uh, reaction he said in his tweet the extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. And he continues saying, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against a censorship that goes far beyond the law. 
if people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws that to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. Yeah, I think he made it rather clear, right? He said, well, basically his boundary, his criteria is the, is the law. And then if people don't like certain type of uh, speech, they will, the people will erect, will pass new law. So if we if he disregard the law and go beyond the law, then it's contrary to the will of people, mm -hmm. right? And then in that, in that light, okay, so what is this uh, disinformation, misinformation, governance board? Well, what, what's th that job? And uh, so that, that, apparently that just, you know, it just presents a question to all of us. And what does that do? Remember, this is within the DHS, the Homeland Security um, minister, you know, service, right? So it's very interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see what that, what that means. And uh, by Elon Musk uh, today, there's a lot of liberal, how to say, liberal media's um, attempt just uh, criticizing Elon Musk's uh, purchase of the, the Twitter, mm -hmm. and then it's become another yet uh, polarized issue. And uh, but it's just very interesting. Okay, and Elon Musk also said mostly the left are not well, basically. To the effect of his buying Twitter, and it seems he's moving into it, right? He's already said, I noticed the New York Times has very abnormal, low number of retweets with each of their posts. And as Elon Musk is, is apparently you know, opened up the hood as looking to things. And uh, he tweeted this thing today. He said, mostly the left are not happy. Some people on the right are not happy too. But I need to take care of the 80% of the people. Mm. All right. So do you agree? Do you agree his point of view? And uh, but again, the the the, the saga of the tweet, you know, of the Twitter purchase and the after how to say aftermath, is still continuing on. You know, no, continuing. So we would like to bring you interesting story, interesting development after that. Yeah. So. All right. So we have to make announcement here, right? Don't we? Okay. Yeah. So um, soon, this channel, We and Kathy Show, will be assuming the its old name. Yeah, it's going to reverting to the old name, which is called Sound of Hope News. SOH News, Sound of Hope News. The reason is we're going to enrich this channel with more people, more program, news, news report. And this program will service the, the analysis and uh, special report, mm -hmm. or sometimes with the commentary uh, purpose, okay? But it will be, have, it will be have, you know, will have more news reporting uh, with just uh, one, how to say, one time a day, and, and just, you know, go from there. Eventually, maybe two, five or six rounds of news. Uh, and uh, the initial focus, actually, I hope, I hope you like it, okay? And uh, it's about China. The reason why we do that is, first, it's our expertise. The second, China will become only more important as time goes by in the recent future, okay? I'm sorry, in the near future. And uh, a lot of things are happening in China, and it will have a um, big spillover effect over the world. So the next few pieces of news has to do with China, so that's also... The, based up upon the same reason, right? Mm -hmm. So, Kathy, anything for our our lo loyal folks that has been here with us for, you know, yeah, for two the years, past right? Two years. Almost two years. Yeah, I know a lot of our audience actually love our original name, Sound of Hope News. So, we are returning uh, to this uh, name uh, as our channel name, but the, the Win Kathy show is still here. So in case you, you know, there will be a transition, but in case you saw the channel name or the logo uh, banner start to have a change, that's why. So don't be surprised, but uh, we would continue, uh, we would appreciate your continued support, uh, your company, your comments, you know, anytime is always a uh, 
very appreciative uh, from us. Yeah, and yeah. the Curtis Cringe, uh, cringe. You wrote a uh, good idea with the expansion. You are my first choice, and uh, I like more. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and the Louis, you wrote that I really like the SOH name. I think that's great. And uh, you are, you are coming go, going back. Yes, think about it. Sound of hope, right? Don't we don't we need that at this time of the history, at this you know in in the current situation of our country and our world? Sound of hope news. Yeah, so uh, with our daily update of the news, so hopefully you will come in to visit our channel more often, every day, right? So right now, our, uh, this uh, show is uh, three times a day, uh, yeah. a week. Yeah, we right? will be increasing that. And Mark uh, Somers, you wrote, we'll follow you anywhere. Thank you, Mark. And uh, James California said, there is hope. Yes, there is hope. The yeah. hope will only grow bigger. And previously, Jeff said, I wish you guys were on... Rumble, so we could get off. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we actually on Rumble. We're uploading some of our shows on Rumble. So just search for Sound of Hope News. You yeah. will yeah, see our shows there. Okay, so before we move on, I do want to address this question, okay, from Jim. Jim Novak, and you asked, is China influencing Elon Musk? Okay, indeed, I think I have an answer for you, at least to the best of my knowledge. Uh, the short answer is no, okay? The reason why is that uh, because of uh, Elon Musk's influence and because the technology, uh, technological advantage of the Tesla uh, electric car, China literally invited him over there and uh, literally gave him a gift of uh, Shanghai factory. They built it within just a few months, okay, just give it as a gift. And he bought the land for the one-tenth of the price, mm -hmm. all right, while he was also a sole, how to say, uh, ownership. He does not have to enter a partnership with China like all the American companies before. You have to be a partner. And your other partner have access to all the information, all the you know, tech know-how that you, you hold. But in the case of Tesla Shanghai factory, he does not have to review anything. And it seems that he's, he's withholding things. So the typical formula of the CCP is to, they invite you over, they give you a gift that you cannot resist, and then you are there, you produce things, you sell things, you make money, you got trapped deeper and deeper, and eventually when you grow very fat, they're gonna kill you, just like a kill a, a pig. Well, one thing they always do is they force you to do tra technology transfer. Right. Yeah, through, you know, collaboration. O otherwise, they're gonna take your market away, okay? Right. So in that, that type of, a, it's just very classic maneuver that has happening for, for how to say, uh, 30 years, especially 19 years since 2001 after the WTO, which opened up doors of China for many, many American companies. All right, so at a certain point, at a certain point, they play a trick, play a trick against Elon Musk. They create a, a scandal and then impose that upon the um, Tesla, uh, Tesla of Shanghai. And then after that incident, interesting enough, Elon Musk was preparing to open the set, second factory in China. He canceled it out. He moved that to Berlin, okay, Germany. So now the Austin factory has become a, the largest one, replacing the Shanghai factory. So my understanding and my knowledge and my information tells me that uh, Elon Musk is not, how to say, collaborating with the CCP uh, in the, how to say, in the area that they should not collabor collaborate. So he seems to be, is clean and he's guarding his secret and uh, he's taking his gift and produced a lot of cars over there, one quarter of the Tesla's total number of cars. He moved a lot of cars to Europe and sell it there and until the German factory can take over. 
So that's what we know about Elon Musk in China. So if you have different information, let me know. So, uh, but that's, um, yeah, that's the answer, my answer to you. Yeah, I think people would just uh, hope that uh, Elon Musk would, you know, with his wisdom, intelligence, and uh, value behind him, would not bow to uh, CCP in any way. And, uh, you know, no guarantees, but I think that's what people hope for. Yeah, and also he does say good things about China, I mean, CCP, and uh, I, I, I would take that as, uh, I think that's only would be taken as face value because it's there, and, uh, but in terms of guarding his know-how and guarding his integrity, <clears throat> I think he, he's okay. And that's all, you know, hope he's, he, will, he will be okay. All right, let's move on to the next story. Okay, so we report to you, you know, not only Shanghai, now people in Beijing continue to become panic over potential lockdown, just like Shanghai, due to the outbreak and the zero COVID policy. And uh, so although the authorities in Beijing have been claiming there are enough supplies, no need to panic, and so on and so forth, but there's still a local rush to buy. Recently, CCTV's anchorwoman Liu Xing repealed, uh, revealed that she was hoarding food for the first time in two years and uh, attached a group of photos of supermarket rush, but later she deleted the post. In addition, former CCTV employees also revealed that uh, the CCTV's internal supermarket was um, snapped up. Mm -hmm. so Do you want to explain what is CCTV? A CCTV is... China Central TV, basically state-owned official Chinese government's TV. Yeah, the largest uh, mouthpiece for, for the Chinese Communist Party. But who is Liu Xing? If you remember, back in 2019, um, the, at that time, the anchor, the host on uh, Fox, Trish Regan, yeah, interviewed this lady, Liu Xing. She is the anchor woman for CGTN. So what's CGTN? CGTN is the English subsidiary of CCTV. All right, so now you know who she is, right? So what happened? On the night of April 24th, many shelves in Beijing supermarket were swept empty as people hoarding vegetables and the food. That's according to a lot of the posting online. And the people in Shanghai even are advising Beijingers online how to hoard. So the CCTV, um, actually the CCP published an article on its state-run media saying that experts appeal to public not to panic hoard. An official also claimed that the supply of all the essential goods is sufficient and stable, and Beijing has a perfect supply assurance system. Can I insert just a comment? Mm -hmm. Just the information, not a comment, actually information. So these days when people read that, they become they become panic. Okay, when they read that, they don't believe it. They don't believe anything they the government. They interpret it yeah. contrary, right? They just, cannot, they just cannot believe anything the government says. I'm not overstating here. And they will go hoard because, you know, the, the past experience has uh, validated time and again that uh, whatever rumor CCP said is just truth ahead of the time. Yeah, if they want to assure you something, maybe it's the contrary. Right. So even the anchor of CCTV, CGTN, did not believe the official words. So Liu Xing, on the eve of April 24th, she uh, tweeted in English, 
saying that、uh, Beijing's turn. But we are getting ready. I stocked up to for the first time in two years. Let the tough times come. She actually tried to、uh, have a positive spin, right,、mm-hmm. in her、yeah. message. Apparently, it, yeah, included a, a group of photos of supermarket shelf being sna- snapped up. Even you know, but quickly, Liu Xing deleted this tweet and sent a new one. Saying that overnight, the very small, very same shop got filled up again with fresh produce. It's just a matter of what you want to buy, not what you can. And it was completely unnecessary for me to overthink last night. Greetings from a supermarket in Chaoyang. Chaoyang is the district that richest.、Uh, um, Beijingese. Yeah. Live, and、uh, let's see, let me insert a, a, a comment. Chances are, okay, after the first post, well. Her party secretary gave her a call. Say, dare you? How dare you post something like that? Take it down, and、uh, you know, make it up. So, yeah, yeah. usually that's what happened. Yeah, she went back to the supermarket, or maybe I we don't know which supermarket she went, and retake photos and even purposefully highlight the date of the produce. It's、uh, April twenty fifth to make sure to show people it's real. So. Under the CCP system, the initial statement, just from a lot of people's、uh, experience, from both me and、uh, we as well, from a person, the initial statement usually comes from the heart, which is more truthful, whether it's due to the person's sincerity or out of fear. So Liu Xing's statement and the change of tone is also、uh, probably sign that the Beijing authorities are. Ready to lock down the district or even the whole city.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, another you know evidence is on the same day, former CCTV reporter Wang Zhian also tweeted: "CCTV has its own internal supermarkets, and I heard from previous colleagues that yesterday, the twenty-fourth, CCTV staff sniffed the wind and moved to empty their own internal supermarkets, and nothing could be bought." After grabbing the food, these anchors came back to the screen, and setting from the screen, saying, "Citizens, live a good life. No need to grab and hoard." So yeah, this yeah. is how absurd a, a communist regime is. It just has been that way, you know. Yeah. So people commented the netizens from China saying the essence of the panic actually comes from the loss of the government's credibility. Comes from the fear of the pandemic prevention policy, which is a zero COVID, and it comes from the doubts about the authenticity of the propaganda content. And some netizens said,、um, "The more appeal by the government, the more I become panic." And someone else said, "The fear is not that there is nothing. The fear is that after it's locked down, even there is something available out there." They cannot be delivered to my home. Yeah, <clears throat> so there's this、uh, unbelievable wide, wide, how to say,、uh, wide、uh, area of、uh, hunger going on in Shanghai, and why Shanghainese are going hungry? Okay, in the you know twenty first century, and in the wealthiest city in China, people, large number of people are going hungry every day. The CCP personnel and making huge profit using group buying at this time. So after Shanghai was locking down over a month ago, donations of food from all over the country have been continuing to enter Shanghai, but local residents still face the threat of going hungry. According to multiple sources, CCP personnel are taking advantage of the 
authorities' strict epidemic prevention policy and the control measures to make huge profit through community group purchasing. Insiders disclose that some government personnel are earning like a three hundred thousand yuan, which is about like a fifty thousand U.S. dollars per day, mind you, per day through community group buy because people have to get the food. Yeah. So according to a volunteers, which is um, uh, they recruited a lot of people sometimes from out of the city of uh, Shanghai. So recently, a, a screenshot of a conversation between a volunteer named Aaron Shui and a netizen was widely circulated online. The screenshot shows that the volunteer holds a document issued by the Shanghai Association of Volunteers, which is under the leadership of the Shanghai Civilization Commission. This registration date is on March 30th, 2022, shortly after the Shanghai authorities announced the city's lockdown. And according to this volunteer, Aaron Shui, he belongs to the security supply unit, which uh, his duty is to supply scarce supplies to the community. He has been earning a daily income of uh, 10,000 yuan, which is over $1,500 US dollars per day. And uh, according to him, this kind of high profit job is not something anyone can get. One needs connections, needs relationships. And he mentioned in the communication, I hope the pandemic will not end. And Aaron also explained how he is not responsible for community group purchasing. What he does is to use the official pass to transport 500 boxes of cigarettes into Shanghai every day and then sell them through community group purchasing channel, earning 100 yuan each box. And he said, the current supply unit I'm working for is set up by the government, and the pass is also issued by the government, all of which are all government-owned. So you know what it means. And uh, he said the person who recruited him earns $300,000 a yuan a day, which equals almost 50000 US dollars. Yeah, community volunteers said the community and the neighborhood committee have a temporary passes that could allow you to go out. But the supply list is issued by the government, at least up to the district government and the city government. The volunteer went on and said, um, right now the biggest problem is that uh, there are supplies out there, but they cannot enter the residential community. The only way for people to get the supplies is to participate in the community group purchases or participate in group purchases organized by the government. Either way, you will be exploited by somebody else. He feels that the uh, government just does not want people to buy food at a normal price. So what about this group purchasing? Actually, my family members, they told me they can only get food by participating the group purchasing. However, recently a video released by a group buying team leader named Ying Ying has been circulating on the internet. In the video, she revealed that during this pandemic, some people are driving up prices to make profits while people are in difficult time. Ying Ying said that people can hardly get vegetables in regular shopping channel. And she said, even though you set up numerous alarms for those uh, regular shopping channel, you almost won't be able to snap up any food. 
So since last week, many group buying uh, emerged in their neighborhood community because once they reach certain amount with the group purchasing, someone will be able to deliver the food to them. So therefore, Yingying volunteered to organize two group buying. One is to buy milk, the other is to buy vegetables. Because her special role at the group leader, as the group leader, she said, I was able to witness some insights in the vegetable group purchasing. After I saw those insights, I'm outraged. That's what Ying Ying said. Mm -hmm. And she organized group purchases to buy milk and vegetable in her community, as Kathy just said, because of her special status as the group leader. And um, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, she, she saw how the sellers driving up the price, giving group buying leaders kickbacks, mm -hmm. just like her. She could get kickbacks. Mm. So in this video, Ying Ying asked four questions. Let's take a look. So we'll just read that to you. The first question, she said, since the outbreak in Shanghai in mid-March, right now it's already mid-April, but it's over a month now. Yeah, read the subtitle. Yeah, so she's really yeah, asking good fast, questions. But, uh, yeah, but those are the, yeah, why, why the price stays so high? After one month, it's still that way. And people cannot get uh, uh, food from regular conventional shopping channels. And, uh, but the high price, the group buying in the community always have food in stock. And she's questioning, is, you know, is there any problem of uh, power rent sinking, uh, seeking? Mm -hmm. So many residents have taken videos revealing the corrupt behavior of the CCP's low-level organizations, which is the neighborhood committees. So the neighborhood committees actually is not uh, a residence group. It's also belong to the CCP. And uh, some other official organizations involved in selling donated food and supplies to community residents at a much higher price. And uh, another group buying leader reveals how he was only able to have rice with soybean sauce before becoming the group leader and uh, how his life dramatically changed afterwards. He had so much supply in his home. So that's, you know, behind uh, the hunger that Shanghai people are experiencing. You can take a look. Yeah, before he only had a bowl of rice with mm -hmm. the soybean sauce. Now he, what, see what he has. Mm -hmm. Meat, any, all, everything, noodle, everything. everything. Wow. Yeah. What a shame. Okay, let's move on to the next story. Mm -hmm. Supreme Court, right? Right. Yeah. right. I think, yeah, this, um, this has been in the news. Uh, maybe you already know, but um, the, the, uh, there's a very elite public high school in Fairfax, Fairfax County, Virginia, called the Thomas Jefferson High School. And uh, they brought 
the school board on the court. Um, but um, just two days ago, the U U.S. Supreme Court rejected the request uh, from the group of parents to block the race-based admission policy at this um, high school. So what's the reason? The Supreme Court didn't really explain a lot. It just simply said the application to vacate the stay presented to the Chief Justice and by him referred to the court is denied. So we're going to explain to you the whole story. And uh, you know, also we'll share with you what are the parents thinking about this. So the school, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, commonly referred to as uh, TJ, as an abbreviation. It is the nation's top public high school. The school was founded in 1985 to improve STEM education in Northern Virginia. We remember when is uh, 1985. That's mm -hmm. the peak of the Cold War, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So, you know, it was believed that uh, at that time, the United States needed a large number of scientific and technological talents to fight against the Soviet Union. So, you know, TJ was uh, established to just uh, to produce, to recruit a lot of uh, talented students. And uh, at the, since the day one, it was, it had very clear admission requirements is that only those who pass the test can enter the school. The admission to TJ has been merit-based and race-blind. Requirements for the admission includes a standardized test, grade point at the uh, average, and completion of certain math classes and the teacher's recommendation. Things changed in 2020 under the requirement of the Virginia Secretary of Education, the school board and the superintendent completely did away with the test. In addition, the new admission policy also caps the number of students allowed from the district's uh, like 23 middle schools. And among them, the three middle schools that typically account for most of TJ's admission have higher numbers of uh, Asian American students than most other middle schools. So you can see the results. The admission of the Asian American students to TJ drastically dropped. So the parents, students, and the staff and the community formed an organization called the Coalition for TJ. And they believe this is race-based admissions. And so they brought the school board to the court. In February, a U.S. District Court judge affirmed the group's concerns, saying that this new policy was infected with talk of racial balancing. However, a month later, a three-judge panel in the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeal voted to allow the school to temporarily maintain its new policy. So the Coalition for TJ appealed to the Supreme Court, although Virginia Attorney General Jason Mears filed an emergency request with the Supreme Court on behalf of the Coalition for TJ with several other states AJ, AG joining the letter. The Supreme Court still rejected their request. And the court order noted that Justices um, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and uh, Neil Gossage would have granted the group's request, but only three of them 
So how do parents feel about this decision? How it will affect them, affect their families? And what's their future plan? I talked to one of the TJ parents. She's a member of the coalition for TJ. Her name is Julia McCaskill. She's a stay-at-home mom, has three kids, two of them currently in TJ High School. Julia is actually a new immigrant from Shanghai, China, and she immigrated to the United States about 20 years ago. Yeah, I really was hoping that Supreme Court can side with us. So Julia is obviously very disappointed with the Supreme Court's decision. I asked why she and the, their group believe this new admission policy is discriminatory and what kind of challenge they are facing. I mean, for TJ, a lot of the families are immigrants, Asian um, immigrants. So that's why we um, push very hard on the education. For students, they do well in school. It's actually a lesson for them. You work hard, you can achieve your goal. But the way that they do the race, even though school board deny that it's race race based, but it is, it is. Well, they say it's race blind, but during uh, at the uh, application form, it has the race question. What is your race? Ironically, that box you cannot check. You can does not give you the option to say, I'd rather not say. It's pre-checked for you. So it's like a, for, for us, it's like a two or more races, right? Races. And if you're Asian, so for some parents, like, a, I want to choose, I'd rather not say, you know, but you cannot, this, it's great on the um, application form. It is chosen for you. They know the applicant's race. They know the applicant's name. They know everything about the applicant. It's on the application form. So I think it's not good for Asian people because you work hard and uh, the end of the day, your skin color says everything, right? And uh, I also think um, if you think like uh, black students be happy about this, I don't think so. I don't think so. now. Well, I don't, you see, before when you go through the tests, okay, and uh, some students, oh, even your black students, you're in TJ environment, and people will say, you went through all those tests, you're good, that's why you're here. And now, they went to the process that's according to your color skin. So even then you are in school, you're in TJ, they say, oh, are you coming in for AA, affirmative action? And even if you have a uh, doctor, and if the doctor is black, and will you think, oh, did she go to uh, medical school because of AA or because she is good? When people can choose, people will have the doubt. Do you really think it's fair for black people? If, if they are really 
scale for their the merit they focus on meritocracy do you think it's really fair for them not really so i think it's actually hurting them too i went to the school board meeting or talk uh, to different um, newspaper i keep saying that tj doesn't belong to certain race it, it doesn't belong to asian it doesn't belong to white it doesn't belong to any skin color group and uh, you want to go into the school and you need to be ready for that right they need to start to prep, prep them at early age in elementary school have the pipeline you know just let them know the importance of the stem um how to prepare for them when the time comes they're ready they're ready they can get into the school but if the school school board is focusing on gender education or waste of time teaching crt and use their race to explain everything you're successful because you're white you're you're not successful because you're, you're black it's really harmful and they waste time teaching those i call useless stuff not focused on the stand not focused on the real education reading math science those things and it's just the it's a, it's a bad cycle you know it's not helping anyone lowering the standard it's not the way to help so the school board believes that the new policy was uh, implemented in the name of equity. So how does Julie think of it? Equity is socialism. It's a socialism in education. It's a, it's it's an equal outcome. Equality is enough. Equality is give you equal opportunity, and everyone can shine because everyone is different. And even the some kids so oh not so good in uh, reading or math, but if you're good in sports, you can shine in that area too. So everyone gets the equal opportunity. So just not fair, not just for us, also for black students, Hispanic students. There are some black people. I admire them too. They have black scientists, you know, those people a lot. But do you think they wanted to be considered as you're successful because you got help? You know, without the white people, you black people cannot success. That's not fair. It's just not fair. So Julie mentioned that this kind of uh, policy is a socialism in education. Given the background that uh, Julia came from a socialist country, seeing such thing happening in the U.S., how does she feel? I feel very, very um, scared. Um, I was a teacher in China. I was a teacher, and the, I, I taught like in the, uh, uh, the central school in the district, Qizhongdian. Uh, Yeah, good schools. And every year, we will have some students who are not so good, but the parents has the connection, has a relationship with the school, and they have their rich. They give you a certain amount of money, and you take them. 
But think about poor students or not so fortunate students. What about them? I think when they start to do the socialism education, it creates loopholes. Only the loopholes is for privileged people, not those like the immigrant people. We socialist countries say that so you have the relationship, you have the connection. And it for those regular people, parents are hardworking, um, blue collar families. They don't have the connection. What about them? Education is the only way that they can reach to the successful goal. There is a group called NAACP, and we have a uh, parent. His name is Harry Jackson. He himself is black, and uh, but he is he focused on education. He great, you know, parent. He also said that in the local Fairfax local NAACP, and the most of the people are white liberals. They say helping black people. And then for those rich white liberals, I even think, do they want to destroy such a great public school so that eliminate the competition for their kids because they're rich and their kids can go to private school. And the TJ students, regular people, immigrant families, the kids are good in STEM and everything. They go to TJ, they go to good college. Is that, they consider this as a competition? They can destroy the school and then their kids go to private school? You know, you see this? I wanted my kids to have good education, but we're living in the expensive area. Living cost is high. And uh, we don't have those luxurious lifestyle. We don't have those expensive uh, materials. We focus on the education and we spend everything we can for their education. And then even I want to go to private school, can't. I can't afford it. I have three kids. We need to create more TJ, more good public schools like TJ to help people, help those students who is interested in STEM, who wants to pursue their education goals for the goals. So, yeah, that's my thought. I just feel quite sad, like uh, this is the socialism. And the people in the US, they would say, oh, socialism is so good. Everyone is equal. Everyone is equal outcome. But no, socialism is not equal outcome. It creates the, 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 the small amount of people on the top elites. And the rest of them, you are kind of slave. There is no in the between. And we need capitalism. You have the equal opportunity and you try your best to achieve your goals, right? And then they did the test is like, a, if you are, if everyone averaged your score and nobody's gonna work hard, nobody wants to, to work hard. So what kind of society will be? 
So what is the future plan for Julia and the group, the coalition for TJ, in regards to this case? The fight is not over yet. And the um, school board, this is called Massive Resistance 2.0. And in Virginia, in the 1950s, they do the uh, Massive Resistance when they passed the law that you cannot segregate people, the black people had to, you know, they're pushing, Democrats are pushing, try to separate them. And, and this is exactly the massive resistance 2.0. The sad thing is the school board, 12 school board members, every single one of them is Democrats. And the school board, is, it should be nonpartisan but they make it totally partisan. They don't care about education. All they care is about social justice. Oh, social justice is just uh, gender equality and uh, who knows? <laughs> Not focus on education. I think uh, um, that's why we hope next, uh, next year, 2023, we'll have the school board election and uh, parents are waking up, and uh, hopefully we can take over the school board. Have parents, have teachers who really focus on education on the board. As for the case, I think um, in September, uh, there will be another, uh, they will appeal to the court. So they will have court hearing, all those things. And then they will decide if the new process will be applied to the class 2027. So, and then we will do again, fight for class 2028. Just the battle just continue. I <sighs> just hope uh, more and more parents will wake up and join us in the fight. And for the animal protect their youngs. Well, parents, this, don't touch, don't touch my kids. <laughs> my kids are yeah. All right, so Julia said that she has two kids already in TJ, but uh, a youngest daughter is, you know, they plan to send her also to TJ, but she also saying, uh, discussing with her husband, you know, if, because her daughter is supposed to get in uh, 2027, if they still come implement this type of policy, they are thinking to save money to send her daughter, the youngest daughter, to private school. So, yeah, so just to want to bring you this story, the perspective of the mom who, you know, is in that uh, school board, school district, and also who is a new immigrant from China. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so that will be all for tonight, and I wish I can, you know, we can read some more there, but actually, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to run for my part, and uh, so... So we, we have like a couple minutes. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, Mark said that the road to hell is paved by social engines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, great to have you guys with us tonight. And uh, yeah, so this is almost one hour. And uh, okay. Yeah. Well, just uh, I have to defer the jokes until next time. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if you allow me, please. Good excuse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and friends. Hours up. Uh, yeah, friends and Asians are welcome in America. We love you. Thank you. Thank I think, you. Uh, yeah, we are all Americans. Yeah, and we all love this Foremost. country. Yes. yes. All okay. right. All right. Have a good night. And we'll see you on Friday night. And take care. And um, yeah, let's all stay hopeful, right? It's yeah. the sound of hope. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.